Welcome, everyone, to Politics Express, the Postwriter's General Interest Politics Podcast. I am your host, the Postwriter's State and Science Editor, Lars Emerson, and in this episode, the last episode of 2021, we are looking back at the year and unpacking the biggest winners, losers, and the wildest moments of the last 12 months. Then we will end, of course, with our recurring In Our Lifetime segment, but let's dive right in. With me today to discuss the wildest moments of 2021 is the Postwriter's Editor-in-Chief and a close personal friend, Michael <laughs> Levito. <laughs> How's What's it going, Mike? Going on? I, I realized doing this how goddamn long the year was. <laughs> See, it feels like this year like completely flew by to me. Um, but you've probably had a more productive year than I have. I mean, I feel like it in a way it's been both, where it's like, if you told me the California recall election happened 10 years ago, I would believe you. Um, it's like between but. February and actually when you visited me in Vegas, I have no memories. <laughs> there was like nothing that happened for that five months. And then I remember everything after. <laughs> anyway, uh, you and I, we love talking about the biggest political moments of the year. We, mm-hmm. we message each other about some wild politicians and the larger implications off the air. So we decided to bring it to you all here on the air today. We'll be talking about the biggest winners, the biggest losers, the biggest moments, rising stars, and high-level comebacks and betrayals on the political scene these last 12 months. Are you ready to start, Mike? I am. So we've picked roughly 20 categories that we're going to just spit out. Uh, who we think wins for 2021. So we'll... Inspired, by the way, we should give them credit because we're still in other categories. So I went through a phase in the summer where during work when I was very bored, I was watching old clips of the McLaughlin group (laughs) Um, because I was reading a book that mentioned John McLaughlin and my dad used to watch that show all the time. Um, And so it was kind of nostalgic for me. And they, at the end of every year, they have like an end of year awards and they have all these lists and we, we stole a lot of their categories for this. And so it's kind of inspired by that. We're not using all of them, all those categories, but we're repurposing a lot of them for this. So credit to John McLaughlin, I guess. Indeed. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll put our own little twists, twists on things. Um, yes. And we'll, we're going to start it out kind of Oscar style <laughs> with perhaps the best supporting actor and actress. Mm. So our first category is who's destined for stardom after 2021, Mike? So I have two answers for this one. Um, having multiple answers may become a trend. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the first one is um, Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who was also running for <laughs> Senate in Pennsylvania. I think win or lose, right, this will be the first time a lot of people have heard of him, and he's going to take off one way or the other. Because he, if you don't know him, he's a very big, burly dude. He's like six he's like foot huge. something. Yeah. He's, he looks like a professional wrestler. He's got a big beard, shaved head. He doesn't. I don't think he owns a tie. Like I think he literally does not own a tie. He just wears like dicky shirts and jeans all the time. Um, he was like the mayor of a small town, like a small dying seal town called Braddock, and was kind of like credited with helping them see some form of a economic turnaround. Um, he he's, he's, he's is very six foot eight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he's probably like what, like two hundred plus pounds. Yeah. Um. Interesting. He, do you do you not feel like he was more destined for stardom after 2020, which is when I feel like he first kind of got some clicks? Um. So yes, I I understand that, but I do think that like he's going to be running in like a primary that will get a lot of coverage because it's a very competitive seat, and he's going to be like like if he has not been featured on like The Daily Show or Last Week Tonight or like a late night show yet, he most certainly will be. Yeah. Right. I know we we know who he is because we pay attention to this crap, but like, like you know, Joe Sixpack will probably who if, if you don't live in Pennsylvania, you will probably hear about him for the first time in the next year, and you will either love him or hate him or at least find him kind of interesting. Um, interesting. My 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 second choice, and he could he could very well win that seat too, right? Yeah. Um. My second choice is Stacey Abrams. Um who recently announced that she would be running again for governor of Georgia. And um, 
will be whoever she ends up facing in the general election will yeah. be uh, bloodied and bruised from what is likely to be a very uh, nasty primary battle between the incumbent governor Brian Kemp and uh, the former senator and challenger David Perdue. And there's a few other some minor candidates though, but Perdue is basically running as the he was just endorsed by Trump. Um, he was like Newt Gingrich was touting his candidacy early on. Basically running on the issue that Brian Kemp should not have certified the 2020 election results in Georgia, which he did. Um, and which is hilarious given that like Brian Kemp began his governorship with this like some controversy over how the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election was carried out because he was secretary of state at the time. And it was a very close election. And I'm not saying Stacey Abrams is going to win. She very well could. It'll probably be a good electoral environment for Republicans next year. At least it certainly looks like at this point. But Georgia is the one state where, like, municipal county elections so far this year have been bad for Democrats, right? It's not just hmm. Virginia, New Jersey. Like, even Pennsylvania, they've been bad, too. Yeah. The, the outlier is Georgia. Like, they've done very well at the municipal level hmm. in Georgia. Democrats have. And like picking, like flipping, flipping mayoralities, things like that. And so I think if there is one state that could like buck a Republican trend, you know, that isn't already like a deep blue state, it, it could be Georgia. And I think Stacey Abrams is a very good shot uh, to win and become like, and, and like if she wins, she immediately becomes like a, a like top five talked about presidential candidate for 24 and beyond. Yeah. The Abrams machine. It could be yeah. like a thing in Georgia. She'll, she'll, be, she'll become the Harry Reid of Georgia. <laughs> so so I, I put my, my tongue-in-cheek answer for Destined for Stardom in 2022 is global supply chains. <laughs> I feel like this year started and no one cared or knew what they were, but now everyone cares about global mm-hmm. supply chains. But I think my actual answer is kind of an unfortunate one. I, I'm putting the, 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 the twin personalities of Tommy Tuberville... Uh, senator from Alabama and potential, well, current Republican Congressman Billy Long from Missouri, mm. who is my favorite member of Congress. He <laughs> is my favorite. He is a Republican running in that Senate primary in Missouri next year. And he is so funny. He, like, looks ridiculous. He hands out Trump dollar bills to, like, other members of Congress he likes. And he just, he's like a former, um, like, auctioneer, and he'll, like, rattle off, like, as an auctioneer while he's, like, in a hearing. And so I think, like, if he gets the Senate nom in Missouri, like, people are going to go nuts. I think yeah, people are going to know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he, he is an interesting character. At the very least, I shared an interesting image with you earlier today Indeed. of him and Trump with this with the St. Louis Blues and the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, and like I it, that that Missouri Senate primary, like um, Trump was doing some like right wing radio show today. And the guy was like, please do not endorse Eric Greitens in that race because he will yeah. lose that seat. Um, I don't really know if I buy that, unfortunately, even though Eric Wrighton should not hold public office ever again in his life. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, those are interesting. In, 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 the, interesting, Julie. Why? The, the reason I put why, Tuberville. Why, 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 yeah, I say why Yeah, Tuberville. so the reason I put him is people don't know. I feel like people need to know more about him. It's like, it's like dangerous and terrifying that this man is a U.S. senator. He is perhaps the dumbest man to ever be elected <laughs> in U.S. history. <laughs> that is quite a statement. Yeah, um, he is so stupid that I bet by this time next year, people, everybody's gonna know his name. <laughs> He's gonna say something yes. just like hilariously stupid. F- former Auburn football coach Tommy Tuberville. I mean, the real scary thing is that very soon the Alabama delegation could be Tuberville and Mo Brooks. Yeah, who is like one of the most Trump obsessed congressmen on the hill right now next category destined for oblivion the opposite of stardom so i got i got i got a whole wave of answers for you here okay i'm gonna give you uh roe v wade lol <laughs> uh one out. andrew yang bill de blasio mm-hmm. um maybe the vice president kamala harris <laughs> what's what's gonna happen to her i i think 
maybe not destined to the oblivion. She'll remain vice president, probably, if I were a betting man, probably for the next seven years. But mm. she uh, is destined to an oblivion that she does not want. I think she to will, the sideline. Right. She yeah. will never be president. And she will probably not be she will not be as important a vice president as Mike Pence. Yes. Um yeah. but yeah, de Blasio is probably my main answer there. He's yeah, I mean, he's gone. Well, yeah. Uh, hey man, apparently <laughs> he's gonna run for governor. Um, exactly. So my I actually looked beyond America's borders for this answer. Okay. Um I wonder with um, Jair or Jair Bolsonaro, the president oh, yeah. of Brazil, yeah. who is currently po- polling very poorly and is facing an election next year. And if his poll numbers keep up, we'll probably lose. He may be running against uh, Lula, the Lula. popular former president of Brazil, uh, who would give him a stiff run. So, uh, yeah, I think that he is kind of um, looking at the end of his, his career. In- interesting. I like the international flavor. Right. Yeah. There's 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 one more. There's at least one more international pick for me. So it, it, it'll keep things interesting. What do you think? Moving on to our third category, has been the biggest comeback story of 2021. So I also had kind of uh, two answers to this. One was the uh, the infrastructure bill, which looked like it could have died. Yeah, I put um, that too. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm getting past. The other one, and this is a very serious one, actually, is uh, the Virginia Republican Party. Um, I yeah. had thought it was going the way of like the Colorado Republican Party, where it was just becoming so right wing that it just would not be electorally viable in a state that was like you know D plus ten at the federal level. Um, but like credit where due, it's like I feel like the mistake a lot of people made in early coverage of the Virginia electoral results is like ah Youngkin just ran the Trump playbook and blah blah. It's like yeah he kind of did, but you look at the things he did. It's like they maneuvered like a. Um, like there was a debate whether they're going to have a convention to choose a nominee or a primary. They did a convention because they didn't want one one Amanda Chase, a very far right uh, candidate, to. They thought she was going to win the primary, so they they maneuvered that. Um, Youngkin ran like a good campaign. Like I, the CRT stuff obviously got the headlines, but like he ran a really smart and like um, more moderate campaign than people realize. I think even though it had some very like you know right wing hallmarks and like. They, um, I, I had like, and and they won back the the lower house, and like it's become so hard to flip state, uh, state like legislative chambers recently. I feel like, yeah, and they they did it, and they didn't have like, yeah, I would say they didn't have a huge margin, but you know, it they still did it, and um, had there been Senate elections, state Senate elections in Virginia, they probably would have won that too. They probably would have a trifecta right now in Virginia. So and I and I, I had thought they were completely over with. So, um, yeah, for better you, or for worse, the Virginia you, GOP. You made me insert a link to the like what happened to the Virginia GOP in like my 2020 Senate coverage, mm-hmm. and you were like, Lars, you have to include this. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Senate GOP <laughs> is never gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a good pick. I think like. Uh, you know, honorable mention, I would probably say Gavin Newsom in this category, just because mm. he started out this year, like, terribly. Like, I guess the whole, you know, going to the fancy restaurant in the dead of the pandemic, and then he had to face a recall election. That all seems bad. But then he, like, survived overwhelmingly. And I feel like he's now basically recovered and probably okay again. Probably won't be president anymore. I kind of have a vibe that he wanted to run, and that's probably lost on him. But like, I think he'll win re-election, of course, and oh yeah, probably do more. Who is the most overrated politician of 2021, Mike? <laughs> so I have a little bit of a niche pick here. Um, so this guy named Edward Durr, who um, you may not know him. Yeah, I he... don't actually know who that is. <laughs> so he will be taking office as a state senator in New Jersey. Uh, in the new year, he he the trucker. Uh, yes, so oh. he is a a trucker for Raymer and Flanagan, um, who ran against the president of the New Jersey State Senate, Stephen Sweeney, in like South Jersey, the Cape May area, which is typically kind of like you know a more Republican area, but had kept reelecting Sweeney, had kind of like the stereotypical like Trump Democrats or sort of like working white working class Democrats, union members, that kind of thing. Um, 
Steven Sweeney spent like you know three hundred. I have it in front of me right now. Three hundred five. Yeah, three hundred five thousand dollars on his race. Edward Durr spent twenty three hundred dollars. He beat Steven Sweeney. And look, that's a, it's a great story. It's fascinating. You know, credit to Durr for I guess having a winning message. And like apparently all they really did was like you know they bought some ad advertisements. They did door knocking. Like I said, great story. Um, really <laughs> fascinating. Um, he is going to do absolutely nothing as a state senator. He does. He admitted he has no plan. He was not <laughs> expecting to win. He does not know what he's going to do. And he will also be in the minority party. We may never hear from this man again. And he could win re-election like ten more times. All right. <laughs> good. Good. I went in the. But congrats on the win. Yeah, yeah. I went. In also, the... also, he tweeted out in the past a lot of controversial, like Islamophobic stuff, and so we'll see how long. Uh, you know. He lasts in New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. So I went in the complete opposite direction of your local state legislator pick, Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Donald Trump. Uh, I think he's the most overrated politician of 2021. He lost every election in 2020 in which he ran at the national level. The people he endorsed are now no longer very good. In fact, now Republican candidates are distancing themselves from him without like explicitly distancing themselves from him. He consistently underperforms the Republican Party uh, and therefore underperforms the Democratic Party. His uh, M.O. is just kind of bad, and he is the only president that has caused an insurgency upon the U.S. Capitol. So I think he may be the most overrated politician of 2021. Yeah, the, the biggest lift he gave the campaigns of Glenn Youngkin and Jack Chitterelli was not going to Virginia or New Jersey during the campaign. Right. Which <laughs> His is absence like, was, it was very much addition by subtraction. Right. Which, like, if you, <laughs> if everyone else in the country, if every Republican in the country is, like, clamoring for his endorsement, and they, they, how can they see this and not be like, oh, maybe we've overrated how good Trump is. I mean, the fact of the matter is, during his presidency, Trump always underperformed other Republicans and that he just was not very good at winning mm -hmm. elections. Yeah. So, yeah. He, it's it's ironic because his endorsement almost guarantees you win a primary, and but if you're in like a swingier state, it can really hurt you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in, in in the general. Yeah. <laughs> My another tongue-in-cheek answer for this one: the most overrated politician, certainly in the first half of this year, was Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> Who was the most underrated? Oh, what? We'll what? <laughs> the most underrated politician this year? I think. You could probably make the argument that the most underrated politician for the last 10 years running has been Mitch McConnell. And mm. But this year, I'm actually going to say it's probably John Tester or Mark Kelly. These guys mm. are in red states, and they are solidly Democratic, um, up for re-election in the next four years, or in Mark Kelly's case, one year. Um, and, like, Mark Kelly always gets less attention than Kirsten Cinema for obvious reasons. But he's like he just like does good things and like is a very happy warrior. He's an underrated politician. That's a good answer. I think did they um And probably likely they, to win reelection, right? Uh I would say people seem convinced that Mark Kelly is like very much screwed. I don't agree with that actually. Yeah, I actually think um, that, yeah. Yes, they did both. At least Tester did vote to repeal Biden's vaccine mandates today, though. So I don't know if that changes your calculations, but um, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so mine is actually so I mean, I already talked about this, but I'm going to say Glenn Youngkin. I think people don't realize hmm. how skillful a campaign he ran. And like he he delivered what Trump said he was going to deliver. Right. Like he flipped. He flipped non-white constituencies. Right. Like he won plurality black um assembly districts or whatever they call them in virginia um he like actually threaded the needle on the crt stuff where he was like no i think we should be teaching about racism and we should be teaching about like bad things that happen but we shouldn't do it this way again do i think there's anything substantive behind that not necessarily but it was like effective messaging and it like you know helped made people who were like you know probably more democratic vote for him and, um, you know, and he clearly had coattails, right? Because they flipped the lower chamber. He's maybe overrated in the sense that, like, it was like a what? Like a 1.8% victory and people are acting like it was like a 20-point landslide. But 
I do think that he ran a good campaign. He's meeting with like the entire Virginia Health delegation now, including the Democrats. Like he is, I think he's he. he I, and again, I think the Yunkin for president rhetoric is overcooked. Right. But I do think he has cre- he has presented a a post Trump Republican model that I think would behoove, if Republicans won more races, would behoove them to fall. I don't think they will, at least not in Trump's lifetime, but if they want to win more races, they should campaign more like Glenn Youngkin. Yes. I I guess my point is, how can you be underrated when, like, half of the political articles this year have been written about you? (laughs) Because I think they're focusing on the wrong stuff. Yeah. that's a fair point. Fair. I mean, he also won despite a state that allowed pretty liberal voting. Maybe Republicans yes. should take note of yes, how they, they can win when voting is free and fair. Mm-hmm. All right. What is the biggest betrayal in politics this year? <laughs> uh, it is the Wyoming Republican Party voting to no longer consider Liz Cheney a Republican um, because she basically did a bunch of anti-Trump stuff. She voted to impeach him. Um, she's serving, I believe, is she currently serving on the January 6th commission? Yes. Yes. She is the um, vice chair, yeah. the ranking member. Yeah. And would any of us care about Wyoming were it not for the Cheney family? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, biggest betrayal, uh, I, Wyoming Republican Party kicking Liz Cheney out. I Yeah, I literally wrote down Liz Cheney versus everybody. I think, like, <laughs> her when she, like, turned against Trump at the beginning of the year, that was huge. Like, I remember, like, messaging you in a fury, like, oh, my God, look, um, all those months ago. And it's just been, like, the most interesting betrayal story through the year is just how the party has turned on her and how she turned mm-hmm. on the party. So the most embarrassing suck-up of the year, I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I think it could be Mike Pence. Because he keeps saying, like, yeah, Trump and I talk and we're still friends and no one is buying it. I also, this is certainly the saddest suck up. I think the most embarrassing suck up is probably, like, uh, House Minority Leader McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is just so shameless about sucking up to Trump that it is embarrassing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I those are both good choices. I had trouble with this one, but I think those are both good choices. I had uh, New Jersey Congressman Jeff Van Drew. Yeah, um, he is the congressman who, during Trump's first impeachment, which was of course last year, um, voted against impeachment and then changed from flipped from being Democrat to Republican. He his voting record is more moderate than one might think, but he is slavishly devoted to Donald Trump. <laughs> he voted to not certify Pennsylvania's um, electoral vote. And is just generally, like, you talk about kind of, like, shameless, like, he, like, literally made his party switch so he could win re-election. And I feel like that's always kind of, like, when there there is a certain strain of person who thinks that anybody who has ever changed any of their political beliefs ever is a flip-flopper. I'm not one of those people, but, like, Jeff Van Drew very clearly is, like, yeah. there's a degree of, you know, I don't think he is quite as um, unreasonable as he makes himself sound. But he's doing it just so he can make good with the base and make good with Trump. Yeah. Um, good good pick, good pick. Let's move on to the worst rap. Who got the most shit this year that they did not deserve? <laughs> worst rap? You mean Jay-Z's verse on Um So uh, mine is uh, Kamala Harris's French cookware controversy, <laughs> where... Did you hear about this? <laughs> no. You didn't? So Kamala Harris bought like $500 plus worth of like French cookware. And somebody wrote a story about it. <laughs> and I think because she was in Paris or whatever. Yeah. And um, somebody decided it was newsworthy. And uh, who gives a shit? <laughs> it's her money. Let her do what she wants with it. I really could care less. And then, like, recently, too, the whole, like, Kamala Harris doesn't think Bluetooth is secure, so she makes everyone use wired headphones. I mean, we just, like, spent an entire election five years ago litigating, like, email security. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, you know me, I'm not a big Kamala Harris fan, but 
there's a degree of like grasping at straws when it comes to her that is just like very frustrating to me as someone who like yeah. likes good political coverage. Yeah, I, I think the vice president certainly does get more shit than she deserves, if for no other reason than the vice president has no power other than to like break a vote in the Senate. It's like give it's give her a break. Um, I don't know. Wor- worst rap, you could say Ilan Omar, just because anyone who's like regularly mm. receiving death threats probably deserves the worst rap if they didn't really like do anything wrong. Um, my controversial answer <laughs> for this neo neo lib neocon podcast we're slowly slowly uh revealing to our listeners is maybe joe manchin gets the worst rap of any Uh, politician this year yeah you you know i remember a a fundamental party three years ago during the 2018 midterms in which uh, my girlfriend at the time was screaming, fuck Joe Manchin, fuck Joe Manchin. <laughs> and I was like, you will not be saying that if it is a 50-50 Senate and you need Joe Manchin with you to have majority, to have the majority. Uh, and turns out I was right. Think about how this year would have gone without Joe Manchin. We would have no COVID relief. We would have n- probably no Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. And we would probably not be about to approve one to two trillion more dollars in social spending. Uh, we would also have a number of executive branch nominees not confirmed, a number of judicial nominees definitely not confirmed. The Biden administration would have basically been destroyed outright were it not for the fact that Joe Manchin uh, won re-election in 2018. And it's not like he's doing anything that crazy this year. If anything, he has voted with the president 100%. Yeah. Which you cannot say the same for people like Mark Kelly or John Hickenlooper, who no one thinks are, like, bad Democrats. Mm -hmm. Um, He represents West Virginia. Give him a break. Of course he, he, like, that's the, of course he, like, supports coal people. Like, that's, like, his whole shtick. And you would, if Republicans controlled the Senate, they would be having a hearing every week about how Joe Biden was, like, bungling some crisis so just be very grateful that joe manchin is in your corner and that's why he gets the worst rep i think that's fair and it's interesting too because manchin voted i think over 50 percent with trump during the trump administration at least that like by the point by the time of the midterms he did and so the fact that he's been like i wouldn't say he's been a reliable vote on these democratic measures but the fact that he's like been very uh open to working like you know you can say what you want about him, but you can't say that he isn't, like, a deal-maker, because, you know. Yeah, he, he's at least s- sticking to what he said? Like, he hasn't, he's like... principled. Right, I don't know. <laughs> and at um, least he has reasoning on, like, another moderate senator I can name. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I, I should clarify. Apparently, Mark Kelly and... Um, John Hickenlooper both do also have 100% approval ratings. Who I was actually thinking of were, uh, uh, well, Ron Wyden, senator from Oregon, Kirsten mm. Gillibrand, senator from New York, and Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts. Mm. So they do not have a 100% Biden voting record, but Joe Manchin does. does. Yeah. And in case your question was about to be what I assume it was, yes, Kirsten Cinema also has a 100% voting record with Joe Biden. <laughs> Moving on, who got the best rap? Who got the most justified amount of shit this year? Um, the people who organized the California gubernatorial recall. Like, <laughs> what a massive waste of time, money, and resources that was. Uh, the margin, um, Gavin Newsom's like victory margin, was almost exactly the same as it was in his actual election bid in 2018, and. Um, it was never real. I mean, like, I know there was a point where we thought it could happen, but it was never, I mean, it, it, it just was a complete waste of time. And, um, yeah, recalls are generally ill-advised, I think. Yeah. And it's also, by the way, paved the way for Larry Elder to win the GOP nomination in 2022. And he's going to lose. He will lose. Yeah. (laughs) What a waste of money. Um, good, good pick. I am, I'm going to go with, 
AOC and her attendance at the Met Gala wearing a dress that says tax the rich. You get shit for that, AOC. Yeah. That is some deserved shit. I uh, I had forgotten about that, but that's that's a good call. That's a good call. All right. (laughs) Category number 10. What was the best photo of 2021? Um, So, I mean, best as in I think the comp, it was impressive compositionally and powerful is the one photo of the one Capitol police officer kind of like holding out his hand in front of the people entering the Capitol and kind of holding them back. Um, I think that'll be like the picture that's shown over and over and over when people talk about January 6th. Okay. For in a, in a similar note, but a little more stale, I went with the ever given stuck in the canal. <laughs> like oh, that just, yeah. that, it like represents everything <laughs> that happened this year. Bill's getting stuck. Shipping lanes getting stuck. Just things getting stuck. Yeah. It just stands out. That was pretty incredible. This is just like a cool photo. It's just like wedged in there. I love when when he got when he got unstuck, people were like, you know what would be really funny if the captain (laughs) was just like, oh, I'm gonna do it again. (laughs) Um Okay. Worst worst photo of the year. Um there's there I feel like there's a lot more lot more answers for this one. How do, I how, mean how do you want to take it? Like worst photo like from like this is a human <laughs> tragedy? <laughs> I I went with that and it was just all the rioters hanging off the Capitol, draping their Trump banners across the Capitol, um and just desecrating um the beacon this of democracy. sacred institution of democracy with their idiocy. That is certainly <laughs> It was a good photo, though. <laughs> you can't right. say Right. I, I know. But it was like, certainly bad. There are multiple uh, ways to interpret this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the planes leaving Kabul were also bad. Um, the, <laughs> that, that, that also stands out this year is just like mm-hmm. that in the Capitol riot. Uh, the two I wrote down kind of interpreting bad the other way. <laughs> Um, do you remember the photo of the Bidens and the Carters and the Bidens oh, yes, look I do. huge? Yes, the, I the think David Lynch film, yes. If, if we were being literal, that was the worst photo of yeah. the year. Um, um, the, that, yes, that was very creepy. <laughs> the, the photo that I think may have gotten the most... The photo that got the most shit, if you will, um, is the the one with like the the border guards on horseback... And the migrants, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how everyone was like, oh my god, he's whipping them, and then it turned out that that was, like, not true, and then mm. the entire photo, like, ended up having this huge backlash, and then backlash to the backlash, and ugh. What do you think was the most over-reported story this year? Um, any story about vaccine injuries or deaths caused by the vaccine, huh. um, I think ultimately pretty statistically significant. I think a lot of times it, uh, you mean really, insignificant? That's what I meant, yes. yeah. Um, I think just really did... I'm not saying that you shouldn't report on things like that when it happens, but I feel like it was just reported so breathlessly and um, unscrupulously that it did a lot more harm than good. Fair point. We endorse all vaccinations here. Yes. Um, I think the most overreported story of the year was Dems in disarray. <laughs> I just hate it. That it's it was so reported that it basically has become a running joke amongst any yes. like political outlet. Um, so I put that. What do you think was the most underreported story of the year, Mike? So I think. So I, I have two answers for this one too. One is like actually the January sixth commission. I feel like I'm seeing very little like mainstream coverage about what's actually going on off the commission hmm. um and maybe nothing really important going up um i don't know it, it just seems kind of under and i know a lot of it because people are just not showing up but anyway um the other is sort of like what's actually going on with non-white voters sort of shifting to the right right we talked about virginia and how there actual there was you know there was all this there obviously you know they did swing to the right in 2020, but, you know, not in a way that was enough to make, like, a huge dent, I don't think, outside of certain areas. And not inconsistent with that, what would happen with an incumbent president on right, the ticket. Right, right. But, like, Virginia, it was pretty significant. Um, 
in and then in New York City actually obviously didn't have much of an effect because it's so democratic. But like the Chinese American community especially voted for a lot uh, for Curtis Lewell a lot actually. And I feel like we spent like four to five years like the New York Times spent so much time and effort sending their reporters to these small town dire diners in the middle of Nebraska, New Hampshire, whatever rural state you could pick asking people why they voted for Trump. And we kind of got the picture after the first, like, <laughs> 500 stories about that. Like, go to Flushing and interview Chinese Americans about why they're voting for Republicans, right? Go yeah. to the Rio Grande and find out why they swung towards Trump. Go to, you know, black communities in Virginia and find out why they elected a Republican to the, the that state's lower chamber, right? Like, that's, that, like, I know, like, people like to give that kind of reporting shit because it's it can be a little just, like... A, it's always about the one thing, which is, like, why do these people still support Trump? And it's like, we know already why. And B, it can be, you know, it's not exactly scientific. But I do think there's, like, actual value to be found in doing it right now because we seem to agree this thing is kind of happening. I don't, I see, and and there's lots of sort of, like, um, extrapolation as to why, but, like, I'd actually like to get some actual people on the record talking about why. Hmm. What a responsible pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, my most underreported story is I actually think the Trump Georgia story has been incredibly underreported because mm, yeah. at the beginning of the year, the president at the time was caught on tape saying like, you need to find me roughly 12,000 more votes. Yeah. And there's been these investigations and I believe there is now like a federal attorney involved and like no one is talking about that because the Capitol riot happened six days or three days later. Mm-hmm. It's like the president, he was on, he was on tape, <laughs> and it just got completely overshadowed. And I feel like most people have probably forgotten. This like it's just like it's crazy to me that the president was caught on tape asking for that, and yeah. that is not the biggest story of of the year. Which I agree. I guess is more a statement about this year than about the president. Um, who burned brightest and fastest this year? I think you could make a case for Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have like a great answer other than that. So uh, Andrew Yang's a good choice, but you know he he burned bright enough for at least like a full year's worth of coverage, right? You know he had two campaigns in 2020, 2021. Um, I went with Diane Morales, who was another, also ran in the Democratic primary for New York mayor. Hmm. Um, she was darling of the left at the early stages of the campaign, very, very progressive, um, and, and was really sort of like the quote-unquote Sanders Wings candidate, like her and Scott Stringer. Um, but uh, she wasn't really polling too great after a while, and she was initially the first-choice candidate of the Working Families Party, or no, Scott Stringer was. He had sexual harassment complaints, so they dropped him, so they made her the first choice. And then her, like, a, a big bulk of her campaign staff, like, accused her and her employees of, like, racial discrimination and sexual harassment and, like, abuse and um, unionized and basically, like, strike, went on strike. And uh, she lost all the goodwill she had amongst sort of, like, the more left-wing segments of the party and was a complete non-factor in the primary itself. Good answer. The The other story I think burned kind of brightest and fastest was the GameStop story. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like yeah. no one no one talks about it anymore. It's just St- so... Stonks? Stonks. <laughs> Stonks was a Jeopardy answer the other day. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so it's got um, some legacy. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, sad to see you go. Who are you sad to see go uh, in, in 2021? Uh, as of this morning, Angela Merkel. Yeah, a, good um, She 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 announced she was retiring. The CDU lost um, the election to the Traffic Light Coalition, and uh, she is stepping down as Chancellor of Germany. She was a, perhaps one of the most sort of like stable and forthright leaders in Europe over what's been a very tumultuous few years for the continent. Um, guided both her country and the continent through a myriad of crises. Um, Certainly conservative on some level, but also, I think, very principled and practical. And I think that the world will miss her leadership. 
That's a nice, that's a very Lars answer, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> it is. Um, she was Chancellor 16 years. Yeah. That's insane. Good. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Angela. Uh, I put Doug Jones because he left office this year, and yeah, I miss him every day. <laughs> I, I He was on my list, too, but then I was like, ah. Yeah. I feel like I'm picking a lot of stuff from early 2021. <laughs> right. That's I, I have the same thing. Uh, so. I, I don't have recency bias. I have <laughs> legacy bias. Um, yeah, Se- Alabama Senator Doug Jones uh, replaced by Tommy Tuberville this year, most unfortunately. He was, like, just such a righteous dude. Prosecuted the Klan. He had this, like, gay son whose photos went, like, viral because Mike Pence swore him in. Uh, and he defeated Roy Moore, who was, like, a, a pedophile. Yeah. Good guy. Doug Jones. Uh, the opposite of sad to see you go. Dear God, please go away <laughs> after 2021. So, I mean, so I feel like the the, the sort of low-hanging fruit, fruit for this one is Matt Gates and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And who, Lauren Boebert. You can throw her in there. Yeah, but, like, Gates and Greene went on that sort of, like, like uh, listening tour <laughs> yeah. during the year. And we're just, like saying a bunch of i mean i i don't have time to go through all the stupid stuff green has been saying um even nancy mace hates her now (laughs) yeah um and uh matt gates matt gates has basically said that he will if if the republicans win the house next year he will motion to have trump sworn in as speaker (laughs) um which is not a good job for trump no requires a lot of organization yes i can't imagine him being more bored in a job (laughs) My my my. Uh, <laughs> also, speakers don't become president, Donald. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen for a no. reason. Um, my my other answer. This is outside the box. Um, are you familiar with Ennis Cantor Freedom? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Ennis Cantor, as he was born. Um, is a Turkish basketball player. He currently plays for the Boston Celtics. He's been kind of a journeyman in the NBA. And he was initially sort of famous in political circles because he's a very outspoken critic of uh, Recep Erdogan, who is the president of Turkey, who is, you know has some authoritarian tendencies. Um, he was criticizing him from the United States, which put his family in grave danger and jeopardy. Um, like, his, his, his dad got fired, and... Um, he was effectively stateless for a while, Cantor. Um, as a whole thing. Uh, but uh, this year, he decided that, you know, he was going to make it his mission to point out the hypocrisies in the NBA supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and social justice writ large while also partnering with the Chinese government, which is certainly very fair, and I don't disagree with him there. Um, and that's fine. He parlayed that into a bunch of cable news appearances. Um became an American citizen, which I am very glad Ennis Cantor is able to share on the bounties of our beautiful country. But while he was becoming a citizen, changed his name to Ennis Cantor Freedom. So he now has a jersey that reads Freedom on the back. Um, and also on Twitter, criticized Jeremy Lin, a Chinese-American basketball player, for not speaking up about China. Jeremy Lin's parents are from Taiwan, and he was born in California. <laughs> and has not exactly said, like, the Chinese government rocks. He just happens to be of Chinese descent. And Cantor has been like, well, why aren't you saying anything about China? Which is, like, dumb at best and almost racist at worst. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I see no other way this ends without, like, a Republican Senate run at some right, point in right. his future. And he's just very annoying and, like, like I said, had some really valid points early on, but had just become insufferable in the interim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. G- good, good pick, good pick. Uh, it, it's a sh- it's a shame. I mean, I feel like next year I'm gonna have so many answers because there are so many <laughs> wackadoos running for Senate. Um, but this year, like, yeah, other than the obvious Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and his whole like free Britney thing, which we all support free Britney. It's just a shame that Matt Gates is the loudest supporter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes me want to lock Britney back up. <laughs> Just, just kidding. We're uh, we support freedom, um, like Bill De Blasio. I guess I'm glad to see him go. He's never had any effect on my life, but I assume he has an effect on your life, Mike. I'm sure. You know, he just is funny. Well, maybe You're I'll get miss a him. Few more months of him. Yeah, maybe I'll miss him. 
he's he's entertaining at least. Yeah, ne- ne- there's just so many like JD Vance. I hope he goes away. It bothers yeah. me cuz the whole I've I have not been a fan of him for like 5 years. Mm-hmm. So since he got famous, um he's always wrong and he's stupid and he should ha- have, go away. have I talked about on the podcast how he's completely misread what the appeal of hillbillyology was? Yes, I think so. Yeah. It which yeah. is it, it it's like it, yes, it it was it was all the white liberals who were reading the book, right. not like the populist conservatives. Right. Like that's who made him who he is. And he's, yeah. He's anyway. also just a complete hypocrite and well, just yes, that too. Completely kind of yeah. And friends with Peter Thiel, so, you know. <laughs> awesome. Um Scandal of the year. I'm just gonna say Andrew Cuomo and the Cuomo saga, and I guess we'd link that into Chris Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think of that immediately because I definitely didn't, but that obviously makes sense. I also had Gatesgate. <laughs> um, I needed which, more of a payoff for that to be my scandal of the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, where it looks like Matt Gates may have been involved in like a sex trafficking ring, um, and then also tried to make it. He tried to spin it as an extortion plot against him, and um, this whole thing. It, but yes, the the Cuomo thing. Yes, I think you are correct. Is the, probably the bigger one. The crazy thing is, it's been like eight months since Gatesgate started. Yeah, and there has been very little satisfying payoff. Because yes, like Matt Gates is like actually a terrible person. No, irre- re- re- completely regardless of whatever he is accused of, which we will not prematurely like condemn Speculate him. On. Yeah, uh, he is like a dangerous, dangerous person mm-hmm. and should go away. Yeah. Um, all right, we're we're in the last uh, five categories, Mike. What were your top three political moments of the year? Top three. Okay, so. Uh, number three, I had um, the uh, bombing that took place in uh, Kabul during the Afghanistan withdrawal. Hmm. Um, that actually ended up in, I believe it was nine U.S. service members um, who died in that. Uh, because while the Afghanistan withdrawal was going on, we all knew the Taliban was going to take back control. And I feel like um, you could be like... like Whatever the outcome, I, I, I agreed with the, there was no option left. Like, Biden had no option. He had to leave. Mm. Or else it was just going to be worse for the American soldiers, honestly. Okay. Um, but um, I think the bomb really sort of, like, turned the worm on, like, it became impossible to ignore then. I think it gave the Republicans a big talking point, And it kind of, like, was a... Um, it really focused people's criticisms on... Um, what was going on in Afghanistan, and I and you know I think that uh, that matters. Um, number two, I had uh, the Georgia Senate elections, which mm. of course completely changed the face and like the momentum of the 2020 elections, where it was like, oh man, Biden kind of got by in a squeaker, huh? And they lost seats in the House. To oh wow, they actually have a trifecta now. Yeah. Um, and especially it happening in Georgia, which had obviously slimly gone blue in the presidential election, and then it going. Uh, blue in the Senate too was like oh wow like this this is like a important thing happening and um, it of course set off the series of events well that's not true but like it was also like one could argue it was Trump's last stand <laughs> in that he he really uh, made, made made a dog's breakfast of it as the British like to say and um, tried tried out a lot of his election conspiracy theories and they all failed and number one is January 6th I mean you know yeah. the most direct threat to american democracy since like the civil war or i guess <laughs> so far <laughs> yeah um and it's, it's yeah it's yeah yeah it it it's january 6th i was thinking about it actually earlier today it's kind of taken on a like you can just say january 6th i was um i put january 6th on my list too as well as the georgia election just because they were in the same 24 hours. Um, but o- over the weekend, I was with a friend uh, in Boulder City, Nevada, and we went into this alien store. And we were, he was buying some things, and the, the woman, she saw us looking at postcards and like looking at stuff. 
And the woman, like, at the at the checkout stand, she was like, where are you guys from? And we were both like, oh, you know, D.C., Washington. She was like, oh, my God. Were you guys there on January 6th? <laughs> and we both, like, kind of paused. We're like, oh, God, what is she asking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, yeah, I was there. Stop the steal. <laughs> like, um, no, and we're like, oh, no, you know, we weren't at the Capitol. And it ended up, like, turning into this, like, 15-minute conversation with her that was, like, actually really pleasant. Um and she was like, I was just so upset. I cannot believe what they did. It was so hurtful, and especially, like, what they did to the police officers and all that. It, it, I mean, People just talk about it in a way that's like, you say January 6th, and everyone knows what you're talking about. And yeah. It's certainly the closest we've come to that since 9-11, I guess. I mean, it's it's the only other date in American history that is, like, just known by the date, I right. think. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the other biggest political moments of the year, uh, like when the bipartisan infrastructure framework, when all the senators got outside the White House and they like, they did it, that felt like, mm-hmm. it felt like a peak of the year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the president's vaccine mandate, when that went mm. out a couple months ago, may be my third pick. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Who are the big three losers of 2021? <laughs> Who lost this year? So you, you touched on it earlier, but number three, Andrew Yang. I put him as in. my number three. <laughs> All right. Came in as, 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 as leading the polls early on in the New York primary, slowly frittered away that lead by making a lot of sort of, you know, just running a very poor campaign, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, is now leaving the Democratic Party created the forward party which may not actually be a party um and the path forward is just very unclear and he just really um painted himself into a corner and it it, it just damaged the brand right like yeah. he did himself absolutely no favors yeah yeah i put his him as number three for number two i put the olympics oh i think there is now a very compelling case uh to just stop having the olympics <laughs> after luck. after this year i mean you say that but there have been a number of outlets in the last year who've been like hey maybe it's time we just stop doing this and you i just feel like <laughs> we put it off for a year for very little pay pay off you, you know what outlet definitely hasn't said that nbc because they have all kinds of television rights to broadcast the games right and they- what was their viewership this year for the olympics I don't know. Lower than ever? <laughs> I like the Olympics. Um, Why don't you pay for it then? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. I mean, it's like, the, well, like, in this not whole... Not saying there aren't things that shouldn't be changed. Well, but. this whole, like, Beijing thing and how it's like, oh, let's, let's, some of us should boycott Beijing, which it sounds like they're doing, like, a half boycott now uh, yeah. for the Winter Olympics, which boycott. start in, like, two months, by the way, everyone. Yeah. Um, but it's like the reason Beijing got it is because like no one else applied. <laughs> no one wants to do them anymore. And that's why I think the Olympics should be canceled. And they lost anyway. this year. Um my 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 second choice is the Cuomo legacy. <laughs> you talked oh, about yeah. it. Um Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, both their careers down the toilet. Uh not not looking good for either of those people. Nor should it. Um and then my uh, number one loser is the people of Afghanistan, unfortunately. Oh, shit. Who, I put that as my number one. Wow. Yeah. Who now now have to, uh, after having, you know, a few years of non-Taliban rule, now have to live under Taliban rule again. Yeah. I put them there. Of everyone this year, uh, other than the people who unnecessarily died of COVID-19, they clearly lost the most. Yes. They are most definitively most definitely worse off this year than they were mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Well, on a brighter note, who won 2021? Whose political stock went way up? I'll start at the bottom with Stacey Abrams. We talked about her. I think she probably won two Senate elections and a Democratic majority in the Senate. And her stock went up. Yes, I would agree. 
Um, we've already beat this drum before, at least I did. Uh, number three, I have Glenn Youngkin. <laughs> um, enthralled the nation. Maybe he completely forgot about the nation as his career goes on. I mean, at one point, Bob McDonald was the hot new thing, and you know, it didn't exactly turn out well for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, really uh, became for at least a few weeks a household name. Yeah. Uh, in second place, I put Mayor Pete. <laughs> Transportation mm. Secretary Pete Buttigieg sailed through his confirmation hearings and just like is very kind of favorable and even Republicans seem to like him and were like gushing over him during his confirmation hearings and is now poised to preside over this like massive infrastructure expansion. Uh, he his political stock is away. I think he has a much better chance of becoming the next Democratic president than anyone else i can currently think of interesting my number two was mitch mcconnell's judicial strategy (laughs) which is paying off in spades right now um because it seems possible that the court will effectively overturn roe v wade which is uh what what the uh, conservative legal community has been waiting for for like 50 years now (laughs) yeah yeah that's it that's a depressing pick mike thank you mm-hmm. uh well, kind of like i see it lars i th- this is a complete aside but another loser i thought it was the golden globes uh which are oh, actually yeah. not going to be broadcast by nbc this year and apparently like there are hollywood agents who are like please do not nominate my client for a golden globe because they will actually hurt their oscar campaign interesting um, but anyway who who who, who won who, who who else won this year yeah i think the American Worker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's a good one. Uh, I, I think the balance between life and work has gotten better. A lot of people voluntarily left their work and have gone on to do better things. Wages are rising higher than they've ever been. Um, I think, and I say this despite getting laid off this year, uh, I think it's been a good year for the American Worker. Just And especially with what we have coming down the pipeline both in i mean we had uh the recovery act and now we've got possibly probably build back better i think it, it it's a significant turning point for the american worker and it's the first time in a long time where labor has had the advantage over capital so the american worker won this year your feelings on inflation the american worker good for them it means higher wages and inflation usually hurts rich people um yeah all right there you go um my number one winner was joe manchin we already talked about him yeah but you know household name has been like you i i think i have i think more ink has been spilled about joe manchin that has Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, and Kevin McCarthy combined this year. He is uh, the 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 uh, the sun around which the congressional solar system is currently revolving, because he because uh, because he's in the position to to be that. He he certainly won everything he wanted this year. Yeah, no, nothing happens without his consent. I, exactly. I feel like. Uh, over the summer, it's like Politico took to calling him like the other President Joe, mm-hmm. and that was very astute. Yes, so, I agree. So good pick, Mike. Who, in our second to last category, <laughs> was the schlub of the year? <laughs> you right. may interpret that as you will. Okay, so I yes, I took it to have two meetings, but they apply to the same person. <laughs> um, I went with uh, <laughs> UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Um, firstly, because every time I see a picture of him, I become retro- retroactively embarrassed for my non-English ancestors who allowed this joke of a country to run the world for, like, half the world for, like, a very long time. If, like, Boris Johnson is the best that these people have, then oh my god. I'm just an absolute train wreck every time he gets dressed. And as far as, like... Um, you know, his, his doing his job and stuff. Uh, it looked like there's going to be a point where the UK was going to run out of food, gas, and like carbonation, <laughs> which is not usually a sign of good governance. Um, 
There was also there have also been a lot of late breaking scandals taking place in Parliament, uh, including MPs who have taken like second jobs, like lucrative second jobs that I guess they're technically not allowed to have. And Boris Johnson said, mm. "You're right, they shouldn't have them." And now apparently the internal rumblings are that a lot of conservatives are turning against him because of that. Um, there were also rumors that a Christmas party um, took place uh, in December of last year, which would have meant that people were unvaccinated um, and in close quarters when UK was under much harsher lockdowns than the US was. And today video leaked of Boris Johnson's spokesperson joking about it in like a strategy session, basically. Um, and she resigned because of that. And also traces of cocaine have been found in Parliament, including near the Prime Minister's office. And um, the leader of the Scottish Conservative Party has said that if Johnson knew about the party that happened at 10 Downing Street, allegedly, which he was not at, that he should resign as Prime Minister. (laughs) Did you see the tweet that was like accusations of cocaine use near the prime minister's office and then it was like yeah as if it's any doubt who that was and it's like the headlines like boris johnson gives speech in which he like starts making truck noises yes 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 he had a very bizarre speech where and where he imitated a truck and also had another speech where he had like his notes in front of him clearly lost his place was shuffling his papers just being like forgive me forgive me forgive me um Just not 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 a sterling few months for uh, for for old Bojo. Good 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 pick. He is certainly a schlub in the traditional sense. Um, for my schlub of the year, I went with Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Mm. T- talk about like a guy who schlubbed it up this year. He starts the year by going freedom <laughs> at CPAC. <laughs> Then he go well, and then at some point, maybe this was before that, he goes on that faded trip to Cancun during the hurricane, which is, like, maybe the funniest story of the whole year. That was, like, maybe the most cathartic story of the whole year is when, like, and then he, like, throws his daughters under the bus. Mm-hmm. It's like, they wanted to leave. <laughs> and then he, there's that, like, sad photo of him, like, rolling his rolly bag through the airport. And then he attacks Big Bird. Like, Ted Cruz is a schlub. And I say this as someone who recently put money on the fact that he will be the 2024 Republican presidential nominee. <laughs> but he is a schlub. And he is my schlub of the year. All right. Person of the year, I went with Joe Manchin. So did I. For the reasons <laughs> we have unpacked already, I think this year has been dominated by Joe Manchin, and he gets what he wants. And I also say this with, like, some admiration for him. Without him, this year would have been very different and probably worse. Almost yeah, definitely worse. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all we have on our person of the year? That's that's all I have on him. All righty. Uh so let's wrap up this episode in this year with our new recurring segment in our lifetime, Mike. Mm. So a lot of liberal politicos think that Democrats in 2021 should have prioritized D.C. statehood this Congress. Mike, in our mm. lifetimes, will our former home of D.C. become a state? Uh, no. Really? Yes. I, I am a I am caught aghast. Go on. I think that um, we are in an era of immense stagnation. I think that you would need an overwhelming um, control of the government, of governments, plural, being states, uh, for DC to be admitted. I actually don't even know what the state admission process is like, I'll be honest. It requires a majority of both houses of Congress. Which... Okay, yeah. Which, okay, yes, I suppose I could see that happening. But um, a simple majority or like a... Yes, simple oh. majority. Well, now that you put it that way, but I, I just I just think we are living in times that um, are defined by stagnation. <laughs> and that includes not adding more states. That includes not expanding um, the number of uh people in the house of representatives it includes not adding more constitutional amendments i just think that i don't see any major structural changes happening to the united states anytime soon 
I'm going to take the complete opposite track. I think DC will become a state in our lifetimes. Or I think a state will be added that is composed of most of what DC currently is. I just... I New Columbia. Well, it'll be Douglas Commonwealth, is what they say. Mm. Um, <laughs> so they can keep the DC. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, um, I, I, I just think... I I don't know. I would have predicted it a year ago that it would have happened this Congress if they got a majority. I don't know why this isn't something they put effort into. It's two more senators and it's representing giving representation to people who are taxed without representation. It's kind I mean, of the whole I, American MO, right? I think it should be a state. I just I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, we've got our whole lifetimes to see, Mike. It's true. And we will end with that. Thank you for listening, everyone. Let us know what you think, who you think the biggest winners, losers, and worst photos of the year were. You can let us know on Twitter at The Post Writer or via our email address, contact at thepostwriter.com. We love hearing from you, and we want to know your political losers of the year, too. So come chat with us. Uh, Politics Express is a Postwriter podcast brought to you by thepostwriter.com where you can check out stuff we work on, things we've written, our other podcasts, and more. That's a wrap for Politics Express for 2021, and we will see you all next year. And my thanks, of course, to Mike for joining. My pleasure.